mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Hey everybody, Sean from Silicon Theory here, and in tonight's episode, we are going to talk about some of the most important phones of 2020. We will talk quite a bit about the two phones that Sean P. and I own, which are the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2 and the Pixel 5. And we're also going to touch on our personal experience with the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro series. Both Sean and I had a chance to do some hands-on time, and so we'll give you our impressions of those devices. In addition, there's a little bit of news out now about the Samsung Galaxy S21 series, so we'll cover some rumors that are gonna be coming for that phone's release probably in early 2021. And believe me when I tell you that 2020 can't be over fast enough. But having said all that, on with the show. I was going to leave you hanging, but then thought better of it. <laughs> that was a wise decision, sir. A wise decision. How's it going? Good, man. It's been, been a minute. You know, uh, right? The month is flat. Like, this has been the weirdest year of uh, we're stuck in Groundhog, COVID, you know, dystopia, purgatory, but then it's moving really fast, too. Yeah, I know that feeling. It's um, it's a little bit strange. Like it feels like this year has been going on forever, and it's December thirteenth, and so the year is almost over. And you know, there's there's all kinds of weird stuff going on out in the world. But um, I think that's why it's a good time to take a step back and take a break from all of the political and medical news that's out there right now, and um, give the people what they want, as the saying is. Uh, when we're talking about uh, some of the most important and some of the most um, sought-after devices uh, of 2020, and um, you know, we've got we've got a couple of them in our possession, our very own personal devices. So I think we can uh, absolutely talk about what your experience with. Um, correct me again. What's the what's the correct name? The actual government name of your phone? Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 2 5G. Okay, yeah. And then I've got the Pixel 5. So, um... <laughs> so, so like the same, it's about the same then for a name perspective? Yeah, I think that, that checks out, actually. So, But um, there's also, uh, as I mentioned kind of in the open of the show, we both have had some hands-on time with the um, iPhone devices this year, the uh, 12, and I got a chance to spend a little bit of time with the 12 Pro. Um, and so we can talk a little bit about those as well, and then maybe we can um, wrap up with the... Um, the rumors and speculation surrounding the uh, Galaxy S21s coming next year. Sound good? That sounds good. Okay. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with your gigantic behemoth folding phone, or do you want to start with the very svelte, uh, take-you-by-surprise uh, size of the Pixel 5? No, I think I'll, let's go behemoth phone. Okay. Let's start. <laughs> so when, when, did, um, when did you... When did you first decide to lose your mind and buy a phone that costs almost $2,000? So, I mean, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit last time. I, I've been watching the folding phone thing since Samsung's been talking about it way back. Man, I think they showed like a concept video all the way back in 2014. Um, I actually got on the list and bought a Z Fold last year, but then there was that minor issue where they all broke and everyone had to return them and then they didn't come out again for another six months. So uh, I, I decided to hold off last year um, and then kind of followed the rumors this year. They subsequently released the Z Flip, 
which was you know well regarded and um you know once this got announced i was kind of all in by that point i i like cutting edge tech i have an aging tablet uh galaxy tab s3 and the justification even though there really is none is that this device could serve the purpose of being my primary phone and uh kind of replace my tablet and uh, so even though it's way more expensive basically double buying an actual great phone and a great tablet um and you give up things like waterproofing and a lot of practical things i still think it was a good purchase feel pretty good about it i've had a i've had a couple minutes with it um i got a chance to just play around with it i got a chance to watch you play genshin impact on it and um I have to say, I you know we have touched a little bit on the foldable space before, um, and while the um, tablet foldable isn't necessarily my personal preference in terms of a foldable device, um, I came away much more impressed with the Z Fold 2 5G uh, than I thought it was going to be. And I think a lot of that has to do with when you think about exactly the use case that you're putting it to. So like during the day, you're texting, you're, I don't know if you make phone calls. Does anybody make phone calls anymore? Um, You know, you're doing phone things with it. And then in the evening you get home and, you know, eat dinner and, you know, you want to consume some content and you just kind of pop it open. And then now you have, you know, this, this, you know, gigantic, tablet size display that you can then use for tablet purposes. So you're watching YouTube videos or you're streaming TV shows or you're, you know, multitasking while having Reddit and Twitter open at the same time and and reading about how the world is falling apart all around us, dogs and cats living together. It, it, it really is a very unique device. And we, we talked a little bit about kind of the, the unusual contrast between what the Pixel 5 is and what the Z Fold 2 is. And it's it's actually kind of funny that they both reside almost at the extreme opposite ends of the spectrum with respect to what they, what it is that they can do. And I'm not going to spoil that because I'm going to use that as the transition to when we talk about the Pixel 5. But of of the, the last little bit that you've owned the phone, what has been the thing that's impressed you the most about having and owning that that particular folding phone? So I think the thing that changed the most since the first time we talked is like when I first got it, it was, it, it's so unique to have a fold, phone that folds in half that I almost didn't know how to treat it. Um, it. It was kind of, I was almost afraid of it to some degree at first because it's so weird. And I think the thing that's changed a lot is just kind of in some ways how normal it is. I know that sounds bizarre, but I would say... The things that are best about it are the, the, the tablet screen is the best part, right? So it's 120 hertz. It's bright. Um, it's, you know, suitable size, almost no bezels, um, which is actually an interesting thing. Like the almost no bezels thing is almost a problem sometimes because when you're holding it, it's like, where do my hands go? But it's a good size. Uh, it, it really does make looking and viewing content, especially if you're trying to multitask with apps, um, a much nicer experience than a normal phone. I, I was I, I recently sold my OnePlus 7 Pro and was using my son's Galaxy S20 FE today. And going back to the, the normal phone in some ways is kind of cool because it's like, oh yeah, this is, it's thinner, right, than the, the normal phones and whatnot. Um, but when I actually go to use content, it, it, it's already 
pretty hard to think about going back to what feels like a more constrained form factor now. Um, and so, it, you know, the other interesting thing is Samsung and its infinite wisdom, they spent, you know, a decade, um, literally probably, you know, hundreds of millions in research and development. They invented different kinds of polymer things that can fold and the hinge and ultra thin glass and all of these things. And then in their infinite wisdom, the screen protector that ships by default with this phone is the worst screen protector I've ever used in my entire <laughs> life. And it, they somehow managed to put on a screen protector that feels terrible. Um, it wasn't fully like transparent, like transparent. So it had this weird tint to it that you could absolutely see. And they somehow managed to pick a material that I swear to God, like, I can't decide if it's actually oozing oil to make sure that your fingerprints get all oily or if it literally just grabbed every single thing, anything that's floating around, dust, fingers, you know, oil, whatever, and just it basically turned, you know, your screen looking like a Monet painting where there's just oil and it smearing everywhere. And so I actually replaced that um, a couple weeks back with an Orzero screen protector, which is completely clear um, and feels like glass when you're using it. And the difference it's made to the user experience is like incredible. I can't believe it. I mean, I think I bought three of those damn things for $13 or something. And it's a nine day difference um, when you're using the device and makes it using it in tablet mode uh, so much more pleasant that I find myself using the phone before I was kind of split a little bit. I was still using my actual tablet at times. And now I just predominantly use my phone like all the time. Hmm. So uh, my biggest, I think I have two biggest take or two big takeaways from there. So number one, um, I am a fan of impressionist painting. So if you end up having any of those uh, old screen protectors around, we could potentially use them as art. Uh, and two uh, or zero. Hey, get in touch with us. We'll talk. Yeah. I was going to say they're not a sponsor, so we're not getting paid for this. Hard. <clears throat> but I mean, legitimately, it's like it's the first thing people should do. Um, it, it really makes a profound user experience difference and really like kind of it, it does make you scratch your head a little bit and go, what the F was Samsung thinking? Um, the other things about the phone I would just say is like, you know, after using it for a while. So if, if I were giving you the list of positives, definitely the tablet mode is fantastic from a user experience perspective the screens are both bright vibrant it's typical samsung quality the internal 120 hertz screen is awesome um the cameras are really good again like you know i was using oneplus 7 pro it's, i can only just say that these cameras are definitely a step above those um considerably so and i know that they're not as good as some of the other phones that are floating around out there probably yours included but they're damn good i haven't read in anything yet where i've had any kind of problem and i love the versatility of having a telephoto at a wide angle and um samsung phones do excellent video i would say probably second only to apple so i was taking some video the other night and um it's great um battery life has been excellent it was weird i had a weird experience at work where i actually had some battery drain i couldn't figure out i, I went into work and it killed it damn near in a day um, and at first I was having some weird battery issues where I was like, man, the battery life on this phone is not great. And I don't know what happened, but it settled in shortly thereafter. And now I would say the battery life's 
superb, not working on your battery life. That's a whole different thing. But um, I can use the tablet mode for five hours of screen on time and be just fine, you know, get get through it. So battery, battery's been great. Um, call quality's good. Um, you know, it has 5G, which I haven't even noticed and don't care about. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't think it's doing anything but probably trading battery faster in some cases, but hey, it, it has it. Performance is excellent. It's fast. So, though, you know, for, from all of those things, like it does all of those things really well. Um, the downsides. Yeah, let's talk about, so what are some of the things that you, I mean, this is your now your daily driver. It's your primary phone. You sold the 7 Pro. So what are some of the things that you're not as in love with as you could be with it? Um, I mean, you know, one thing right off the bat is it, it is it's a it's a tank. I mean, this thing's <laughs> it, it, it's it's great because it is full quality, of chunk. There's no denying yeah, that. I, I mean, the build quality is really nice, but it's insanely heavy. I mean, it's like fifty percent heavier than my OnePlus Seven Pro was at least, um, and that wasn't exactly a light phone or a small phone. So it's a chunk, and when you put it in your pocket, for sure, like you notice it. Um, sometimes I'm like, man, this is going to rip a hole where my pocket is because it's so damn big, it, but, but you do get used to it and it has a nice heft in the hand and, but it is large and it's thick. I mean, it's, it's not quite as thick as two modern phones, but it's, you know, probably like 1.7 or something. So it's, it's a thick boy and you notice it. Um, I, sometimes when I'm holding it up to my ear, I feel like a complete idiot because it looks like I'm holding like a, a really thick remote controlled my ear because of the narrow aspect ratio and then how big it is. So there's that, but I would say the biggest issue, actually, that the thing that has been the most interesting and shows me that clearly these phones are not quite ready for prime time is some of the software stuff. Um, and I'll give you some examples. So Android tablets we've made fun of before lots of times. Google never really got it together, and they never really got tablet software going in any meaningful way. So Samsung has picked up the slack and in a lot of ways they've done some cool stuff we've talked about like the multitasking before and it's excellent samsung has this little slide tab you slide over you can pair apps together you can do all kinds of stuff with it um it's great when you open and close it it can seamlessly switch between apps on the front screen and on the inside screen continuity so you have that going for it so anything that samsung's kind of on its own dealt with um is pretty good the third-party stuff is where you have problems. Mm. And it's been quite interesting to see all of the little issues that I've run into. Um, namely, just, you know, I use uh, KWGT um, custom widget for all my widgets going back, gosh, years now. And I actually had to abandon using it because for some reason it just gets confused no matter what I, de- what I do. And it can't tell what screen you're using sometimes. And it just... It'll shrink the widget to tiny size on the interior giant screen. It'll, in, you know, make the size on the exterior screen so giant it's, you know, you're you're only seeing like thirty percent of the widget, mm-hmm. and it just, it could never figure it out. So I had to abandon it. I actually went back to Super Widget, which I haven't used in, I don't know, five six years. And ironically, it does just fine. It holds the size correctly, but custom doesn't. Um, and then, you know, even even things like when you're using a lot of applications, and you'll see this in a lot of reviews, they just aren't really built for this aspect ratio. There, there's no real, you're not getting a lot of positive of using it on a screen this size other, other than the content's bigger. Um, just because it's, I think this is enough of a niche, you know, device still that 
the, the software hasn't caught up. And, you know, I use Nova Launcher. I've been using it, gosh, going back to the Note 2. Um, so eight years solid. And it's, it's on this phone, it's a little bit unique. It's, um, you can only set up one home screen. And then, so you have to have something that's kind of functional on the giant screen and functional on the front screen. And I have a setup that works, but it's been a little bit of work getting there. And the Nova developers basically said, look, this is such a tiny bit of market share. This is not something that we're focusing our um, development energy and effort on right now, which I can't fault them for. They're focusing on bigger picture things that support a larger number of their users, which is the right thing to do. But uh, you know, there are some growing pains by virtue of that. And then just to add insult to injury, and this is not unique to my phone, unfortunately, but Samsung recently <clears throat> in their updates has released a broken version of one UI mm. where if Nova's your home app, home screen app, it can't remember every time you restart your phone. So every time I turn my phone on in the morning, it doesn't know what the home is. It defaults to one UI. I have to go into settings and set it back to Nova, sometimes multiple times to get it to stick. Um, my son's Galaxy S20 FE got an update yesterday. Now his is doing the same thing. So right. it is a Samsung problem. But um, yeah, just generally, I would say that's the biggest. It, it's kind of, I think that it, I was thinking about before we came on the, the pod that the Z Flip and the Moto Razor actually likely do not have these problems because they fold into a normal aspect ratio, mm, right? Yeah. So um, they're basically a normal phone that folds in half, so it has a, a much smaller footprint in your pocket. So I would guess that probably the, these kinds of issues that I'm having don't exist on those. But for the phone that folds into a tablet, you do run into compatibility issues just because Android tablets aren't really a thing. Yeah, well, and they're not only not really not a thing, but they also suck when you when they are a thing. I mean, there are a couple of the you know the tab series is from Samsung that that are really nice bits of hardware, uh, but I think you're right. And and the criticism that you have is the criticism that is lev the criticism that is levied at most of Android tablets in general is that the hardware may be superior in some ways to the Apple uh, tablets. But the software experience is vastly inferior. And that creates a, a very big dichotomy between what people want and what people need, which is they want something that looks great. Like you bought the, the phone in large part because it's literally the best of everything that Samsung has to offer. It's got this gigantic screen that's beautiful. It's 120 hertz refresh rate. It's got the latest and greatest specs. It's got, you know, basically everything from a hardware standpoint. But, you know... From a software standpoint, eh, maybe still leaves a little bit to be desired. And and again, those are just kind of the trade-offs of being an early adopter and being an early adopter of a relatively niche for now product. And that's you know that that is the price that has to be paid. And hopefully, your pain will become other people's gain because Samsung is getting these devices out into the world. People are using them, and they're complaining about what they like and what they don't like. And it's going to be a system where Samsung will, and, it, and as they have shown that they have and can do, will take that into their development cycle and then push that stuff forward. And, you know, we've already seen the jump between the, you know, the Fold 1 and the Fold 2 was pretty massive from a hardware usability standpoint. Um, you know, the first one was not, not good at all. And that was really the, 
the second kind of version or second variant of the first one too. So they've they've made some really large and rapid strides in a relatively short period of time. So I'm sure that the software stuff will get sorted out in time. It's just for now, you know, like you said, it's kind of a little bit of a pain in the ass. Sorry, that's, that's my dog who's joined the party. Sadie says hello. Sadie, yeah, so, so some total, what I would say is actually, in some ways, in some total, I would say if you're evaluating buying this, you probably shouldn't. This is definitely still in the enthusiast realm. Uh, but I will say, that it, as far as just doing normal phone stuff, it does it all quite well. And after a while, it feels kind of natural using it as a phone. Um, it is definitely, it feels less breakable and uh, fragile certainly as i've used it more that was one thing that really early on i was like oh man this feels like it you know i really need to handle it it's like you know i have a pretty beefy case on it and it has the stock screen protector on the front that i put this horse there on the inside so it has protection on it but just by virtue of its design when it's folded obviously it's protecting the internal screen just general because of how well built it feels it doesn't feel fragile it's not waterproof and you you probably have to be more careful with it than you would a normal phone but it's not nearly as uh, delicate as i thought it would be um i I use it pretty normally and i still think about certain things that i would do that maybe i wouldn't do with this phone that i would do with others but generally speaking it's you can just use it as a normal phone and it actually feels pretty robust so that's been nice and and the other thing i would just say is i can't really imagine going back I think as this form factor matures, uh, we'll eventually probably have trifolds and we'll have less pronounced creases and the technology will just continue to improve. Um, it's hard to imagine going back to a slab phone because a lot of the things that I envisioned would be suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I can really imagine that would be a great use case that I would use frequently. It, it has actually been that. Um, just being out and about and being able to unfold it into a tablet and pop up on multiple apps and um, do things is really neat and useful. And again, it's it's not most people should wait until things improve a little bit. We cut get a couple more generations under our belt and the prices drop some. But foldable phones, whether it, I, I actually think probably in the end um, we're likely to see. I, I thought. I think I thought foldables, the majority of people would end up with one like this where it turns into a, a tablet. And now I actually wonder if it's going to be the other direction. I, I wonder if it's going to be 60 or 70% of foldables that end up getting sold will end up being uh, the candy bars that fold in half that make a smaller footprint and you can pop it in your pocket or purse or what have you more easily. And then there's going to be this subset of people that want the tablet style for business or work or just because they like to have more real estate for multitasking and that ends up being the split so we'll see maybe maybe my opinion will change as we get rollables and some of these other things on the market but um anyway it's been great it's been the most fun phone i've had i I think personally since probably the note 2 and um i still as I'm looking at, at kind of the way phones are going, think that foldables are, are going to be the next, you know, thing. This has certainly not deterred me from that opinion. 
No, and I'd agree with you kind of on both fronts. I think that, you know, again, my personal um, preference would be in the Z Flip standpoint where you get that kind of crazy, you know, what is it, 20 or 21 by 9 um, folded open device. And then you just kind of snap it shut and you put it in your pocket and you you go about your business with it. Like, I think that the real real value and the real benefit in having – well, more you having than other people having, but people in general having this type of foldable device in the wild is you get an opportunity to do exactly what you just said. Can I use this as my daily driver? Can this be my everyday phone? And is there enough value here, at least to you or to other people, to justify its market segment? And I think happily, the answer is yes. You've found more and more ways to find it usable to you. And that not only makes you feel good because of, you know, I know you didn't pay the full price for it, but, you know, it's still a a hefty sum to pay for a phone. And it is good to know that what it's doing for you is exactly what you hope that it would do. Because that's ultimately the the long game with all of these devices, right? Like we have things that we need to do every day that we need them to do for us. They're tools. They are... Um, whether they're big screens to view content or they're ways that we communicate with other people, either users, you know, either using social media or text messaging or what have you, but you, you need to use it to get something done. And the fact that it can do that for you more often than not, and in a way that not only um, gets the job done, but gets it done in a way that is pleasing to you, you get a, hey, I don't need to use my tablet anymore, or I don't use my tablet as much because I can use my phone for that. Or I can, you know, if I need to, um, you know, type out a, a quick email on this big keyboard and then snap it shut and make a phone call. Like you can do all of that kind of stuff. And the funny, the funny thing about it and the thing that we talked about off the air that I'll use as my transition to kind of start the discussion about the Pixel 5 is the funny thing about these two phones is that they lie on the opposite ends of the spectrum and something that you said kind of sparked my thought on that and that the z fold 2 5g is really more of a better small tablet than it is a phone and the pixel 5 is maybe the best thing that i've seen this year that is as good as a phone as it is anything else. Like it is the maybe best phone that I have used. It certainly is the best best pixel that has ever been produced in my opinion. And I will roundly disagree with um, Stephen Hall at uh, 9to5Google and, and Kellen over at Droid Life on that uh, to the death of me. But it, it's funny that they, they both have different ways of accomplishing similar things. And they reside on, you know, one of these phones costs almost $2,000. The other one costs, you know, less than $700. One of them is relatively small for its, you know, uh, market segment at just about six inches. And the other one pops open into a gigantic tablet that, you know, essentially can replace, you know, an iPad mini. Um, one of them has the best and most powerful in all of the specs. And the other one is... Um, not, it uses some high end specs, but not all of the latest and greatest. Um, and one of them has truly impressive hardware, um, beyond many other phones, even capabilities. And the other one has truly impressive software and a truly impressive software experience that, you know, we can argue about as maybe being kind of a, a a sneaky uh, candidate for phone of the year, but, that that's kind of the transition that I had in mind for discussing like some of the things that I like about the Pixel 5 and 
you know, I'll preface this and I'll, I've talked a lot, so I'll give you a chance to kind of, um, you know, come around on that. But, you know, it, it's funny, you know, we talk a lot about you're a, you know, kind of a screen whore and a Samsung fanboy, and I'm kind of a, you know, software and camera whore and I'm a pixel fanboy. And it, it's not, it is not at all surprising or shocking that we ended up with these two phones, which are kind of like the culmination of the expression of both of these companies, you know, efforts in 2020. You got the best Samsung phone available, and I got the best Google phone available. Who would have guessed? But well, go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's right, man. I, I would say, and it's always kind of been that way. It's like I, I always wanted like the speckiest. You know, I was buying notes all those years because that was kind of the the ultimate expression. And for a lot of years, things were moving so fast that every year was a pretty large upgrade. And and we kind of now hit this point where the, the normal candy bar form factor is kind of pegged out to some degree. And so, you know, now I moved on to foldables because I think it's something new and interesting. But to your point, going back to your phone, here's what I would kind of say about it. Um, if you go back all the way to when smartphones came out, right? Like, so we go all the way back. The things that people said they wanted out of smartphones someday, like when we're talking about the future was, wouldn't it be great if you had a smartphone that was, you know, big but not too big in your hand, something comfortable size. We could get rid of the bezels and, and make them kind of, you know, uniform at least so you have almost an all-screen phone. Um, I, it would be great if I had smooth operation and, um, you know, smooth user experience, right? Especially in those early years, it was choppy. I want a phone that the camera in all conditions is good enough that, I can have confidence in my pictures and, uh, uh, you know, kind of replace the point and shoot, especially back in the day. And then the, the main thing was, yeah, with the little flip phones that we had back in yesteryear, it was like, oh, yeah, you could get two, three days on a charge. And when we got smartphones, at first it was, yeah, it's great if you can get through most of a day. And then it was like, cool, I can get through, you know, a whole day. And then as they got bigger, it was like, oh, man, I might be, I could – if I really squeeze it, I could probably go a day and a half even or whatever. And it was, hey, someday wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we had batteries that last us two days again. So when I look at the Pixel 5, I think it's actually, it, it's to me, the embodiment of all of those things. So if you look back and you go, okay, this is the basics that I really want out of a smartphone, not stuff like a you know folding screen, but what do I want out of my smartphone? Tremendous camera, consistent performance, um, almost all screen smooth, um, two-day battery life, a size that is comfortable and makes sense, and then, you know, wireless charging and some of the extra stuff that comes with it, but um, it's something that's durable because it's not glass, right? All of these things, it's, it's kind of like, to me, the Pixel 5 is almost the perfection, perfected embodiment of the perfect normal smartphone. And I, I would absolutely have a tendency to agree with you here. And we, we've jokingly said not only on the pod, but off the pod, like did was Google wiretap in my phone. Did they, did they say, Hey, this is the perfect phone for this guy. So let's make this phone because it hits all of those things that you said that I, as an end user and consumer want, and that most people should be interested in, in their devices. And, you know, I'm on Reddit, as are you, and I, I defend to the death uh, our Google overlords. And what it boils down to is there are a lot of people whose sole issue with this device is the price point that it came out at. 
And we've argued ad nauseum the fact that 5G, which is mostly in its, not even in its infancy, but in its embryonacy, is the the big reason and, you know, Qualcomm's, you know, essential stranglehold on this industry. That is the sole reason that this device came out at $699 instead of at $599. And I think if you were to argue on its merits, this phone's value at $699, there is definitely a case to be made that it is not only the best Pixel ever made, but also one of the most affordable for what you get. It just happens to have been released in a year where Google's camera resides in a $350, you know, similar device in terms of size and in terms of look uh, in the Pixel 4a. And also came out alongside of the Pixel 4a 5G, which did have a much lower price point at $499 and does have many of the same external features, mainly the processor and the camera, as well as the inclusion of 5G, obviously. But some of the most glaring omissions, which you've already talked about, are what make the Pixel 5, to me, the superior device and that I'm absolutely more than happy and willing to pay the extra premium for. So we talked about, you know, high refresh displays, right? So it's got a 90 hertz panel, super smooth, very optimized for Android 11. It's got IP68 water and dust resistance. So for people who have small children who need to take baths or who live in Southern California and are around water, whether it be the ocean or a pool often enough, some kind of water resistance is almost a must. It also has extra RAM in terms of its comparison to the 4A 5G. It's got eight gigs versus six gigs, which as most people know, has kind of been a, a pixel downfall in years past. And it also has wireless charging, which while not necessarily the most high thing on people's lists, is absolutely something that is a modern convenience and most quote unquote premium smartphones should include. And it does all of that, as you've already noticed, by not having, and it doesn't have a glass back. It's an aluminum chassis, which is covered by this bioresin, which feels really good. There's some durability questions about the bioresin in the long run, but you know, by and large, the metal frame of the phone is gonna survive and as we've seen, you know, on the Jerry Rig Everything YouTube channel, it actually did pretty well in the durability tests. So for me, this phone, and we haven't even talked about the camera yet. So for me, this phone is an incredibly compelling value at $699. It is one of the cheapest pixels that was ever released. And, and you'd have to go all the way back to the original Pixel, not the um, not the Pixel XL, but the original Pixel to find a device that came in with a, you know, a sub 700 price point. And it does everything that I want and need it to do. And this was kind of the, the, the interesting contrast. Like you use the phone, your phone the most probably in tablet mode because you get the best experience out of it that way. And for me, I get the best experience out of using my phone as a phone just by it being what it is. A few subtle tweaks, the, the smallish bezels on the display, um, you know, is the cause of much consternation for some people because that means that they Google had to include an under display speaker, which, you know, the problems with that are incredibly overblown and Google has in some fashion resolved with the most recent software update using um, a toggle for adaptive sound. To me, this really is, and this is the part where I, I, I come back in line with your comment and I agree with you. To me, this really is kind of the pinnacle of if you get a candy bar phone that can do all of the stuff that the Pixel can do, take great pictures, have a really good, bright, you know, mostly bezel-free display, and the battery life, which I'll touch on separately, 
is is exceptional in large part because of some of the decisions that Google made to downsize on the specs. It, it really does. It, it matters. It What it does well matters to me and should matter to most people. And the software helps the phone get out of your way and do the things that you need to do quickly, easily, efficiency, or efficiently. And Google's software experience really is leveraged to the maximum to get it to do what it's supposed to do. And that is to be a vessel to bring, for Google to bring its services to you. And for me, um, I, I think, and I had this conversation kind of in the chat forums with Kellen over at Droid Life, you know, this, this was a phone that I think really snuck up on a lot of people. And the more people that have it and own it, and we won't know probably for a little bit what the sales numbers looks like, but I would not be surprised if Google ends up selling more of these phones than they thought they were going to. No, I know it was interesting seeing. I, I think it has snuck up on people. I've seen a couple op-ed pieces of like, boy, I like this phone more than I expected. Look, it's easy to pick on it. Okay, yeah, it has a mid-range processor. Okay, right. Um, they haven't updated the camera sensor in a few generations, and you know, the, the Galaxy S20 Ultra, meanwhile, has a 108-megapixel camera. So so you look at all these things on paper, and I think it's easy to, to pick it apart. It, but then people use it, and I've kind of described it as the Goldilocks phone. I feel like they really hit the, the – the price point's a problem. We've discussed the reason why it's $100 more expensive here because of Verizon. And if it had come into $599, we wouldn't even be having it. But at $699, I still feel like it's giant battery check. You know, uniform bezel, bright Samsung screen check, completely reliable, still top of class or, you know, amongst the top of class camera check. Um, 90 hertz screen is more than enough. Like, again, I have a 120 hertz screen on this phone. I had a 90 hertz screen on my OnePlus 7 Pro. Um, I, I don't, you can notice a difference if you're really looking, but I don't think it matters much in, in use. So I think, the, and the 90 hertz gets better battery life. So that's, there's something to be said there where I feel, again, that's a, a nice decision that they made. And then, look, the 765G, it's like, yeah, can you notice a difference? Yeah, probably. If you're running a benchmark, if you have them side by side, maybe if you're opening up a big application or doing something, I think you probably could tell a performance difference. But is it enough that it really matters, especially for 95% of people that aren't doing much on their phone except for using normal applications? I think the answer is no. So when you look at all of those things, it's in a lot of ways, it, it's an easy phone to recommend for almost anyone because I mean, a lot of these phone, other phones have quirks or they're more expensive still. It's like you can complain about the price, but the OnePlus 8T is more expensive and it's bigger and doesn't have wireless charging and its cameras aren't as good. And the Samsung Galaxy S20 FE um, is about the same price, but it has plastic back and its cameras are as good in some ways, but not as much in others. And yes, it has 120 hertz screen and an S865, but it also, again, is much, much larger. The battery life is not anything close to what you're getting on yours. And so, you know, whenever you're looking at things, it's a balance of what you want out of your phone. But I think most normal users, if you ask the list of what they want out of their phone, it would be like something that's not too big, something that gets takes reliable, really good pictures, something that has a screen that's easy to see in sunlight and, you know, performance is smooth and normal operation and battery life. Like, I feel like those are the things that people actually care about. And in a lot of ways, I, that, I don't know, the, the Pixel 5 to me hits more of those checks than 
overall than some of the other phones we're talking about. Yeah, and, and I'll mention just my own personal experience with the battery life and the cameras to kind of put a bow on, on the Pixel 5 discussion, which it, it, it really is remarkable. Um, I was actually having a... I was actually having a conversation with somebody on a, a, the Google Pixel subreddit the other day. And he's like, hey, I'm getting, you know, somewhere between four and five hours of battery life, um, four, four to five hours of screen on time, excuse me, uh, with my Pixel 5. And I'm getting much more when I'm on Wi-Fi. Is that normal? And I'm like, well, yeah, if you're, you know, on 5G a lot or on LTE a lot, you know, your battery is going to go a lot quicker than it would if you're on Wi-Fi just because of the the, <clears throat> the power utilization of the radios. And I sent you a screenshot the other day of, was it yesterday, Saturday? It was We were just at the house doing nothing because what is there to do in the middle of a global pandemic except stay home? And um, I hadn't really been pushing the phone that much, but I had been using it quite a bit. And, you know, I was down to around 50%, I think, of the battery life. And I looked at the screen on time and I already had five hours of screen on time. And I'm like, my God, that's a lot. And I've still got half of this battery left. So if you extrapolate that out, that would have been approximately. And it ended up not being because we left the house and I started taking some 4K video and shooting, you know, photos. And then I got home and then I was watching a couple of um, anime shows and stuff. So I think it ended up around, um, you know, seven and a half hours of screen on time after that, which <laughs> for a Pixel phone is mind-blowingly good. For any phone, it is very good. Um but if you extrapolate out what if I'd stayed on Wi-Fi all day and just done what I was doing, which was you know just web browsing on Reddit and you know fooling around on the internet, I, you know I potentially could have gotten ten hours of screen on time. Like I don't, my mind can't even register that the battery life on the Pixel Five is exceptional and should be if it's not already one of the main selling points of people about this phone. This is a phone you do not have to worry about charging every single day if you don't want to, unless you are using it as a videographer and you're taking 4k 60 video you know all the time then yeah you'll you'll probably burn through the battery in in a half of a day anybody else everybody else the, the average joe user or jane user if you will um is going to have this phone in and love it especially if they're connected to wi-fi mostly it, it is a battery champion and a lot of that has to do with the very large size of the power cell that's in it you know 40 4080 milliamp hours and its combination with the 765G processor. Not using the top-of-the-line Snapdragon chip definitely helped this device have battery life uh, or have no battery life issues. <clears throat> There's some folks... Yeah, go ahead. Your, your battery life is literally the best first-hand battery life I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen people online that were getting, getting back in the day, like the Droid Max or some of the other battery life champions of yesteryear were getting screen on time in that kind of range that you're talking about, but... Of people that I know, you know, that are in the same area that I am using their, their phone firsthand, um, your phone gets better battery life than any smartphone I've ever seen of anyone that I know. And, and um, I've used phones with larger battery, but it, it, it's, there's that's what I'm saying. Your, your phone really does seem to have the sweet spot of like, I watched you use it, you know, when I was playing around with it a little bit when we were at work, and it's like, is it slower than my phone? I don't know. Maybe. When I was just bipping through home screens and doing normal stuff, did it feel slower? No, it didn't. Um, it felt totally like you'd expect any modern smartphone to feel fast, responsive, easy to use. And so it's like, 
you know, on balance, would you rather have a phone that has an 865 and is slightly faster, but your battery life is 60% what you're getting now, or a phone that feels, you know, totally fine and responsive and uh, more than enough and you're getting the kind of battery that you have? Um, I think if you offered that up to most people and gave them even you know, a sample of each, hypothetically speaking, they would choose the battery life because the, the, the performance difference is just, it's imperceptible. Yeah. The Delta Almost. there. Yeah. The Delta there in terms of performance versus battery life is, is significant enough where most people are going to go, yeah, I'd rather have the phone I can actually use all day. Cause like we've talked about the, the point of having these phones is to be able to use them for the things that we want to use them for. And you can do that a lot more when your phone's battery lasts all day and then some and keeps on going. There's a lot of consternation about the camera and Google's use of the same sensor that was in the Pixel 2 and the removal of the tele and, and the addition of the ultra wide. But I can tell you this phone takes exceptional pictures. Um, you've already touched on the fact that it's amongst the leaders in still photography. Video has improved significantly and it's not hot garbage anymore, which is good. I shot some video um, the other night. We drove around um, the Eagle Hills area near here near my house. And you know, took a bunch of video of Christmas lights and, you know, my kids marveling at the Christmas lights and stuff. And it's video that I'm, I'm very happy with now. Whereas before, um, you know, some of the video that came out of it was just, you know, was useless in terms of preserving the memories of the moments that have actually happened. Personally, I'm a bigger fan of the ultra wide camera than the telly. Um, I, I've had many more use cases with the ultra wide, especially having the kids that, you know, I need to get both of them in the shot. We took a couple of pictures last night where they you know, jumped out of the car and wanted to stand in front of a couple of these homes displays. And you want to get a good quality shot and to get both of them in the image and get the background. It's, it's much easier to do that with a wide angle lens. Google software processing for the telephoto is, you know, good enough. There's many times where at 2x, you can't really tell the difference. And if you want to zoom in and, and you'll go 4 or 5x, yeah, you're, you're going to lose some quality. And it's not going to be the same as an actual hardware telephoto sensor. But what I do get is a camera that is very versatile. It's very flexible. It takes excellent still images. About the only beef that I have is right now the... The change that Google has made is they make um, night sight kind of auto by default. So if the camera senses that it's not as bright outside as it could be, it automatically switches over to night sight, which you have to hold the camera very still and your subjects have to be very still for that. Um, so I'm trying to figure out a way if I can turn that off because last night, especially taking pictures at night with Christmas lights, you know, kids aren't going to stay still. That's just the long and the short of it. You know, I got two six-year-olds. They're very rarely not in motion except when they're sleeping. So it, it's it that was a little bit of a disappointment to try and snap some of these pictures quickly, which has been, you know, kind of a pixel hallmark for a long time. You know, take good quality photos at night. And the the default night sight mode now sometimes just is not what I need. What I need is, you know, I'd rather take a slightly darker picture, but actually get, you know, the image taken much quicker rather than having to wait for the night sight to kind of capture all that available light and then process it and then have the subjects come out blurry because, you know, they were moving around a little bit. You know, at that point I'm picking nits. I mean, the, the images are still really good and there are workarounds for it. So it, it is something where the pixel camera is... It's probably going to have to change next year. That That's not an argument there, but certainly is, well, is the best camera in a phone you can buy at $699 without question. And that camera and its software, software 
prowess is also pushed down largely to the 499 Pixel 4a 5G and in the standard lens in the $350 4a. So I think Google, you know, they had some issues with, you know, <laughs> supply chain and, and parts binning just like everybody else did this year. But I think if, you know, if your biggest complaint is that, oh my gosh, it's the same sensor, it still only takes, you know, some of the best photos in a mobile smartphone, you know, you're probably trying too hard. Yeah, and just to wrap a bow on this, and I think this will make a nice transition to talking about the iPhones. I mean, the whole point of the Pixel was to try to build the Google equivalent of an iPhone, which the, the selling point of an iPhone has been it's, all, it's always, it's more than the sum of its parts. It just works. It does all of the major things that you want well. Um, it's a size that is, you know, what the majority of people want. And it, it's funny this year that in a year when Google's getting picked on for a lot of the decisions that they made, I think they've absolutely come closer to that mission, if that's indeed what it was, than ever before. They have a phone that is a really, really nice size that is not glass, so it's not fragile. It has wireless charging. It has IP68. It has a 90 hertz screen. It has uniform bezels. It has two-day battery life. It has a camera you don't have to think about that's versatile and one of the best in class. Um, and it costs $699. Uh, and you can get it cheaper it's at, uh, you know, with promotions and other things. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of funny to me that this year, I think they've gotten more flack than ever before, but it's like when they were building these Gucci flagships, every year there was something weird about them or problems or, you know, screen issues or, or what have you. And it's just, it's funny in a year when I think they got the most flack that I've ever seen, they built the best, I, I agree with you, I think this is the best Pixel. And I think it's closer to the mission of being the Android iPhone than anyone has ever gotten before. Um, I think this is a phone that you can buy and for at least three years, because Google, I think, is committed to support it for three years now, have immediate software updates, snappy performance, great battery life, great camera, in a size that makes a lot of sense. And when I look at it through that lens, it's like, well, yeah, you can you can compare it to things like the S20 Ultra and pick it apart, but it's like, sure, it doesn't have a 108-megapixel camera. That is true. The optics are fancier on the S20 Ultra, but, you know, it can also focus. Um, <laughs> there is that. having problems. So, I mean, it, it, specs don't tell the story, and this is always just one of those things where, again, it's been really interesting to see the feedback. Max Weinbach did his top phones, and he put the Pixel 5 as fourth this year behind like you know the fold and the flip and um i forget what the other one was it might have been the iphone 12 pro max but anyway i mean that's really saying something right he put it in front of i think every OnePlus phone and, and a lot of the other android phones that he played with and he he kind of said the same thing his summation was i can't really put my finger on it i just really like this phone i just really like using it i really like it at, and, the, at the end of the day that's what that, matters right isn't that the goal for most people for the phone that they have? Agreed. Hard agree. And uh, as I've mentioned before and probably will mention again, I, uh, I for one, welcome our Google, Google overlords. Uh, the, the only other thing I, I would just say, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do next year. You know, do, do they produce a normal and an XL again and proper flagships with this, the Snapdragon 888? Um, or do they continue kind of along this line? And I don't, I haven't read, and I don't know what they're going to do. But it'll be really interesting to see 
because again, if they if they took all of the lessons from the Pixel Five and just created like a super flagship version, but you where you could still buy both, like next year if there was a mid tier processor, smaller one that was like the Pixel Five, and then a super flagship that took all of the lessons but just had the you know all the top of line stuff. It'll be interesting to see if they do that one and two. If you're again like even a guy like you that's an enthusiast. If the top end one was a much bigger phone and costs nine hundred or a thousand dollars, and the one that's quote unquote mid range is more like the Pixel Five, where it just is, yeah, it's a, a mid range processor, but it has all of the the things that yours has otherwise this year. I don't know which one would you choose. That's a really tough question, um, and, and I knew you were going to ask that, and so I was kind of thinking about it, like, would I really want something different? I guess I'd, I'd have to see it and see what the difference in size and stuff is. You know, I've, I've, I've owned uh, the OnePlus, well, still own the OnePlus 6T and the OnePlus 7T. I may soon own the OnePlus 8T. But the, um, and those phones are, are great phones. And using them now after having used the Pixel 5 for such a, a while, uh, such a long while, the Pixel 5 really does hit the sweet spot. Like that six inch size with no bezel is just, it's a great screen. It's fun to watch content on. Um, I stream all kinds of TV shows to it. I've been watching, um, I told you the other day, I've been watching um, Moriarty the Patriot on it. And it, it's just, a, it's a great size to do everything with. So, I mean, would I would I want the latest and greatest and the best of everything? Yeah, of course. Like, that's, you know, who we are as people. So why not? I would probably say I would have to think long and hard about it. And that's not something that I would have said before. It would have been, give me the XL version all day, every day, and call it a day. But um, I guess, you know, like you say, we'll... We'll wait and see what Google does. Hopefully they've learned their lesson. And, you know, there are some folks that are clamoring for this, you know, the the Pixel 5 Pro, which doesn't exist. But, um, you know, maybe a Pixel 6 Pro will. And um, maybe Google can get back into that game. <laughs> All right. You want to talk about So iPhone 12s real quick. We, we've had a podcast going over them before. Um, Apple this year uh, has four phones in the line. The mini the normal 12 and then the 12 pro and the 12 pro max. Um, they switched to all AMOLED screens this year and high resolution screens. So basically 1080 ish P. Um, so which is a step up from the LCDs that the bottom two had last year. Um, or bottom, did they only have bottom one last year? Yeah, it was, was just the, 11? Uh, yeah, yeah, the 11. 11. Well, unless um, you count the SE, which I don't. Yeah, that's nah, right. Um, they went to this flat sided, flat screen, flat, design um added in 5g and then threw in the you know the a14 processor and the the normal upgrades that that you get um the two top phones got camera upgrades the pro models uh specifically the pro max got some like a bigger sensor and some other goodies um i personally have had extensive hands-on time with the iphone 12 in in that blue color and then i've also had extensive hands-on time, um, and set up a 12 Pro Max in the gold color, uh, or the, the gold gold rim, and then the back's actually kind of like an off-white color. Um, and here's what I would say about them um, for me, just to just kind of get my opinion out. They are nice phones. Um, I like the new design, the way it looks. 
I love the flat screen. Um, I, I put screen protectors on both of the phones that I set up, the 12 and 12 Pro Max, and it's so nice to have just a completely flat screen, no 2D glass, no, you know, curved, just just totally flat. Um, the flat design is nice. I think that it's slightly less comfortable to hold in the hand in some ways than the rounded corners were. Uh, the 12 Pro Max feels big, but then again, I'm using a freaking Z Fold 2, so um, saying that is like super ironic. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, it's funny, you know, the, the, the processors in theory crap all over the, the even the Snapdragon A65, but, and they feel fast when you use them, don't get me wrong, but iOS is iOS, and they don't have high refresh screens, they're 60 hertz. And so, you know, when you take those two things into consideration, when I'm using the phone, it feels fast, but it feels like an iPhone. It, 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 you know, I have an iPhone 8 for work. It's about to get upgraded to an iPhone 11. Um, and I've used, you know, my dad's iPhone 10R and, and a variety of iPhones. And they all feel kind of similar-ish in speed to me, which is they feel fast. Uh, you know, Apple has consistent animations and, and, and things happen quickly. And um, that's fine. But it's it, not having a high refresh screen is, is a pretty glaring omission to me both 90 and 120 hertz feel considerably faster um than the uh you know iphones do um and then you know i, I know again the iphone the a14 can out benchmark everything but in actual use it doesn't i don't know it doesn't it doesn't feel that much faster to me it maybe we're just to a point where all, you know i guess we're kind of talking about this already phones are fast enough and you can't really tell that difference and we're in the diminishing returns territory um and you know the the iphone 12 screen is not as nice as the 12 pro max screen you could tell um it, it doesn't get quite as bright but again like the difference isn't super noticeable unless you have them side by side and really like unless you're in the sun um which i just happen to have again had both of them uh, indoors and outdoors when i was setting them up for other people um and the the other thing that's interesting is the iphone 12 color temperature i did not particularly like um we've talked about this before i like phones that are cooler uh some more bluish tone which is unusual most people prefer i think warm this one was overly warm to me it looked reddish and another thing that kind of annoys me is unlike every other phone i've had recently where i can adjust the color temperature and things to my liking apple does not allow you to do that you can turn off true tone but you're stuck with their calibration which i know is like best in class and and technically accurate which is fantastic but it still would be great if you have you know a $1,200 phone that you could tweak those things if you wanted to, um, to your preference, even if it's not sRGB perfect anymore. Um, but anyway, I, it, it, to me, the, 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 I would just say they feel like just a typical iPhone, and they're really kind of ultimately forgettable in a lot of ways. And I know people who buy iPhones just want the consistency um, and and you know, that user experience that they're used to and everything else. But for me, every time I use them, I'm just, I'm bored off of my ass. And if I really do start comparing them to Android flagships, it's like, well, if you were handing me a 12 Pro Max or a, my son's S20 FE, which actually has a 120 hertz screen, right? Um, and said, you can't sell either one of them. So this is a profit driven exercise. You just have to keep one and use one. I would pick the S20 FE. And I know that makes me weird, but this year, even as opposed to others, I guess because of the lack of high refresh and some other things, 
I just, I don't know, man. It, big shrug for me. Yeah, and like you, I've had some, some hands-on time with um, the iPhone 12. Um, I saw the, actually, I saw the iPhone 12 Pro um, in the, the gold and white colorway. I think it's just officially white. It's just got a gold trim, which is, you know, very ostentatious for me, but um, I can see why some people would like it. And I had a little bit of time to spend with the iPhone 12 mini, which is a delightfully small phone. And, you know, now that it's not the SE and doesn't have, you know, gigantic bezels on a home button, but actually has face ID and it is very similar. It's an iPhone that you threw in the laundry and forgot that you had set to hot water and it just shrank. And it's just a tiny little phone. And it's, it's, it's so cute. It's like a little phone. I want to pick up and hold it and do all kinds of cute things to it. But the hardware is, I think, as you've already touched on, is exceptional. Like the um, the industrial design, like that iPhone kind of like four design um, with the metal rails and the you know the, the glass sandwich, and it's really flat and it's really you know industrial looking. Um, it it is very cool, um, and I think Neilai Patel from The Verge kind of captures my same thoughts on this. Like, it looks really cool. So so much so that you don't want to put it in a case. You want to kind of show it off to people. You want to see that design all the time. Um, but as with many other things, the, the glass is very slippery. And so you probably should put it in a case. And also these phones are very expensive. So if you want to protect it and keep it from getting annihilated, if you drop it, although the you know ceramic shield coating um, or the ceramic shield material, I guess I should say, does appear to be a little bit more um, you know shatter resistant than in the past. Um, but the phone, if you drop it, it's, it's going to you know chip and crack and, and break. So put it in a case, people. The, the hardware is exceptional. The software still has the same limitations that iOS has. Does, does iOS have widgets now? Yes, it does. Yay. Who gives a crap? Um, the, these are things where what you're really talking about is people who upgrade from iPhones to iPhones do so because they don't want anything else. They want what works and they want an iPhone and everybody has iMessage and so that's what they need it for. But I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I was disappointed by the fact that there is disparity in the cameras between the Pro and the Pro Max. And we talked about it. You know, you mentioned maybe the size is a factor. You know, they, they can afford to cram some other stuff in there, some different hardware in there. But to me, that is kind of a poor decision on Apple's part because you have a Pro that's not really a Pro or it's not as much of a Pro as a Pro Max, which is what is indicated by the name as evidenced by the fact that it has a, as bad a naming convention as your phone does. And those things those things matter. I mean, if I'm spending $9.99 on a phone, but you're telling me that I need to spend another $300 to get like the really good one, like... Okay, well then, why is it called the Pro? Because uh, it has a third camera. Yeah, I, you know, I'd rather save the money and spend the, you know, six ninety nine or seven ninety nine uh, or seven forty nine on the twelve and just get the two cameras and be happier. Um, because the 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 delta between the twelve Pro and the regular twelve is not as steep as it used to be. Now there's, you know, it's not a choice between LCD and AMOLED. It's not a choice between, you know, um, design. It's not a choice between, you know, any other kind of specification. It, it basically is, with a few caveats, the same phone, and one of them costs a lot less. So I think, you know, forgettable is, is definitely one way to say that. You know, I, I don't want to say unimpressive, but they kind of were unimpressive to me. I was not impressed by what Apple did this year. They changed the design. Everybody knew they were going to. Um, we had hoped that they would get promotion. They didn't. We had hoped that there would be some kind of crazy new technology. And I haven't seen a ton of, because I don't think there are any, uh, Pro Max reviews about the camera. But, you know, like like many of the other software features that Apple has promised, they have yet to deliver on a lot of these things. 
they're they're great out of the box. They take, uh, like you said, amongst the best video of any mobile device without question. But is there really a significant and compelling reason to upgrade from an 11 Pro to a 12 Pro? I don't know. I don't think so. And I think that the argument from the the te- the 10 series, you know, like the the everybody calls it the X, but the 10 to the 11 was very significant and definitely warranted a justification and upgrade, especially from the camera algorithm processings alone. But this year, I just there's something there's something about the 12s that's just missing to me. And I used the 12 Pro for a little while as my you know a friend of ours, a former coworker's wife's phone, and I was mildly surprised that he splurged to get her that nice phone but i set it up and i was just like i don't really have any interest in using this phone any longer than i absolutely have to and that that was not the case with the 11 and i was kind of surprised by that and i i think they're great phones they will sell no question but they're there's something missing i don't know what it is but in the same way that you described max saying you know the pixel 5 i just there's something about it that i can't put my finger on but i really like using it it's the exact opposite for me there's something about the 12 and the 12 Pros that I I don't have any interest in using those phones, and I can't put my finger on it, but I just I just don't. No, same thing. I, it feels like an appliance, and it feels boring. And you know, look, I, I don't like iOS. The walled garden and all the bullshit that they lock you into is not what I want. I like to tweak everything, and um, so yeah, it, it's just it, it, it's kind of not for me anyway. But even from a hardware perspective, it's like. Like the gold edges on the 12 Pro Max are quite striking. They're stainless steel, and the the industrial design's impeccable, and all of those things. But yeah, after I use it for a little while, I'm always just like, eh, I don't. There's nothing interesting here for me at all. And again, like there doesn't have have to be. Most people don't care. They want their phone to work. It's the things we've been outlining, which is why iPhones are are you know what they are. Um, but yeah, even more than years past, I'm kind of like, man, this just. I'm not at that into this and uh, this phone it, and not having a high refresh screen in this day and age is like a big deal. And next year they'll have 120 hertz and they'll have the variable refresh and it'll be fine. Um, and that, that probably will be a reason to upgrade for a lot of people. But yeah, this year was, yeah, the new design's fine. Uh, it looks cooler ergonomically. I'm not convinced it's better. Um, and everything else is just a big shrug for me. And I kind of go, eh. it, yeah, it's an iPhone. Yeah, checks out. Absolutely. Speaking of something that uh, is interesting and probably won't be a shrug, what do you um, what do you think about the um, what do you think about the rumors around the S twenty one and some of the leaks that we've seen about the the design of that phone? Yeah, I mean it's going to be an interesting year. I think actually the S twenty one kind of I wasn't usually Samsung does big design changes every every two years, so this is kind of the the you know the, like the S eight was a big design change and then. Um, the S9 was a refinement, and the S10 was a big design change, and then the S20, even though they changed the name, was you know more or less a refinement. They just moved the the uh, punch hole from to the side to in the middle. Um, and this year is is kind of the same; it's a refinement, but they're doing some interesting things. So first, first of all, they're they're kind of they released the S20 FE, and I was reading an article today that it's cannibalized the sales of lots of other phones, um, including Samsung phones, the S20, the S20 Plus, the S20 Ultra, and the A51 and A71 have all sold significantly less since the FE came out. Consumers were into this idea of like a less expensive flagship um, because I think that the um, S20 FE hits 
because you know as we talked about a lot of the important things that are important to consumers so it sounds like samsung kind of is applying a lot of that to the s21 series in an effort to hit those sweet spots and also um uh, to get the price down a little bit so what we're hearing is the s21 and the s21 plus first of all are both going back to flat screens which is awesome Huzzah um, to the giver I was a little bit of a curved screen apologist, and my reason for that was it gave you a bigger screen, but it kept things narrow, so it was easier to kind of navigate. But, you know, in the aggregate, I think that having a flat screen is better. Um, You don't have the distortion around the sides. Screen protectors are a lot less expensive. And easier Um, to put on, for sure. Yeah, easier to put on. And, And just even when you're operating on the phone, I think that, just the UIs and whatnot are easier when you have a flat screen phone. So that's that's a great change. Um, the S20, the base is going to be plastic on the back. Um, they'll probably call it plastic, but like the S20 FE. So, you know, again, this is one of those things where people will complain because it'll probably be less premium. But I have to tell you, I think that having a uh, plastic back phone especially if you put a case on it, it has a lot of upsides it's way less breakable you still have wireless charging um you know i don't know i, I don't know if i would envision that as a negative um also they the screens are going to be fhd plus instead of qhd which you know again downgrade right like you look at that and you go well it's a downgrade but the s20 series could only run 120 hertz and fhd plus anyway which is what most consumers gravitated towards to towards and i think just like the pixel 5 in a lot of ways it's kind of like i don't know when i, when I again use my son's s20 fe which is also qhd plus like i can't really tell the difference it looks great it's 120 hertz and you get better battery life by virtue of the fact that it's a lower resolution and so i'm kind of you know it, it's interesting to see them doing these things, and we'll see how much they lower the price. The, the rumor is the base price is going to go down at least $100 from last year. I was going to say, and man, it, you're burying the lead here. The, the biggest thing is that they're saying that these flagships are going to be cheaper, which in an era where smartphone prices have increased almost every year for the last God knows how long, the fact that Samsung's coming out and straight up saying, like, yeah, we get it, people need cheaper phones, that just is astonishing. I, I think it depends on how much less they come out at, whether it's 100 or 200 to see. But, like, yeah, I'm looking at these things that they're doing. So it's like, okay, S21, um, FHD plus screen, fine. Plastic back, fine. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that the flat screen is actually an upgrade. So it, from that perspective, I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, they're leaving the batteries big and they're dropping the price. So batteries are rumored to be basically the same as last year so. I think it's 4,000, 4,500, and then 5,000. Um, you still get the S888, so the flagship chip and the RAM and the 128 base storage and an SD card slot and IP68 and wireless charging. Um, the S21 Plus is all of those things. It's also flat screen. You get a glass back, though, so it does have the more premium, quote-unquote, um, uh, design. Um, from a design perspective on the back, it's kind of unique looking. They, the camera module is part of the frame. So it kind of looks like, um, the back is, you know, one piece and then the frame and the camera are uh, one piece.
piece, which is weird because right now it's like those are all kind of like independent. I actually quite like the way it looks. I think it looks interesting. Uh, and they have some two-tone models. Like they have a purple and copper or bronze and that wouldn't be my like go-to, but I have to say it's it's unique looking. It's uh, striking. I'll say that. It's also ugly, but it is striking. No, I kind of, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I, I reserve judgment. I want to see it in person, but. Um, it's the uh, Thanos edition. Yeah, and then you have uh, triple cameras on the S20 and the S21 Plus, and then the Ultra actually is still going to have a curved screen slightly. Um, it is still has like five cameras on the back. Well, one of them is a laser autofocus, I think. Uh, improved 108 megapixel, you know, Gen 2. They're taking all the things they learned from the um, Note 20 Ultra and, and applying that. And, uh, you know, its camera module is obviously, like, way larger than the other two. It takes up damn near, like, 50% of the width of the phone on the back. But it also has that kind of, like, single-piece blade design, which is really unique looking. And um, it, uh, all of them have a small hole-punch camera on the front, uh, in the middle, centered again, like last year. Um, but the bezels are just tiny. Uh, we saw the S21 Plus leak yesterday, and it's, like, it's basically flat screen with uniform bezels all around that are virtually non-existent anymore i i actually think it's a great looking phone um someone in your household may uh be receiving it as a gift as well as it turns out no 100 percent will get one for my wife my wife likes to break uh screen protectors as a hobby um <laughs> and so you know right now she has an s10 plus <laughs> and she's and very I good at her hobby apparently yeah, and I've, I've replaced that she I installed a Whitestone Dome and told her, like, hey, these cost, you know, 50 bucks, and they're paying the ass to install. Don't break it. She cracked it in, like, within three days. Um, I finally hid <laughs> the cracks. I let them get pretty bad. Eventually pulled off the, the nonsense that was the first one and got a replacement because they have a warranty, right? And put a second one on, um, which she also broke. Uh, crack at least pretty shortly thereafter, and it's cracking. And we were actually out for a walk the other day, and I told her, like, yeah, she doesn't care about phones like at all. Like, not not interested. I mean, I told her, yeah, the S twenty one plus. Like, I'm stoked for you. This is gonna be a great phone. And you know, I was laying out some of the things of like why it was gonna be better, better cameras and everything. And you know, she's over there yawning. And then I'm like, yeah, it also has a flat screen, so I can just buy twenty screen protectors and put one on every like two days when you break one. And then she totally perked up and was like, oh, it has a flat screen. Like, blah blah blah. And was suddenly very very interested. So, um, just goes to show the things that. Um, people care about phones and it makes me laugh but uh true story uh, i was actually um i was vacuuming the house earlier and i went to um go and vacuum in the floor of our downstairs bathroom and uh i I turn on the light and i look down and we have a little stool next to the commode for um the girls so that they can put their feet up while they're going and i found my wife's s20 plus sitting on the stool face down in the bathroom and i literally i think i let out some kind of profanity and I turned off the vacuum. My wife's like, what? And I'm like, why is your phone sitting face down on a stool in the bathroom? And she's like, oh, yeah, I just left it there. <laughs> Coincidentally, she cares about phones about as much as your wife does. So yeah. I would I would rather die than leave my phone face down in the bathroom. Like zero questions. It is with me every waking second and most sleeping seconds because I I have an unhealthy attachment to my phones. But um, not everybody cares about those kinds of things. And, you know, that's kind of okay but to your point i think that um certainly a device that can take and keep a screen protector on it in a uh, relatively much easier fashion is probably going to be a win for a lot of people us included 
Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at this thing, I'm just going, what what's not to like? Like an S21 Plus is going to be a 6.7 inch flat screen, no bezels, tiny hole punch. So basically, like this is the all screen phone with uniform bezels that we've been talking about forever, um, and has a giant battery, 5G, flat, you know, again, uh, S888, all, all the top end stuff, SD card slot, 128 gig memory, and, and all the things that you would want. I kind of look at it and go, well, that looks like a pretty damn well-rounded phone to me. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the end prices end up being. Even if they only drop them down $100 a piece, I think that's definitely a step in the right direction, certainly. And uh, they've done something which I didn't think was possible. Is they, they actually made a design that, you know, it's not drastically different than other people, but everyone, every phone really had started to look the same, on, especially on the back where they just had this like black rectangle um, in the upper left-hand corner that that was the design that everyone had. And it's, I give them credit for coming up with something that, you know, even the Thanos edition, though you don't love it, um, looks kind of unique in a sea of, of uh, monotony. It's at, least, it's at least enough that you look at it and go, that doesn't look exactly like everything else. And so uh, I, give, I give some credit there. I'm... I'm excited to actually see the release, which is actually earlier this year. It's on January 14th, is the rumor. Yeah. So they're, they're getting them out. The other interesting thing, too, just real quick, is we're not positive it's all of them, I don't think, yet, but it looks like the S21 Ultra, at a minimum, will support the S Pen. S Pen, yeah, buddy. Um, it will not have an S Pen built in. It looks like they're going to have a series of cases that have an S Pen built into the case, but not the phone. Um, and there are rumors that the Note is going to die, although uh, Ross Young... I believe said that there is at least one note he's aware of that's in the pipeline. Hmm. Um, and then it looks like the fold three, the Z fold three will replace maybe the high end note to some degree in, in the Samsung kind of hierarchy, because the rumor is that it will have SM S pen support next year. So there, there's definitely changes happening. And over the years, the, the galaxy S and the note series have kind of gradually converged as far as specs and stuff anyway. So I don't think that this is completely shocking. This is something that's been rumored for a few years now of Samsung was getting thought to doing this. And it looks like this year maybe another step along that direction. But yeah, I, it looks like at a minimum the S21 Plus will be the first, or Ultra, excuse me, will be the first S series to have a um, to have S Pen support. A Spen. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parity um, now between the the device lines. And the what the Note was originally conceived of was you know, kind of Samsung's, you know, vision of it's the kitchen sink phone, like throw everything we can, the best of everything into it now. And I agree with you. I think the Fold is now that device in the hierarchy. And Samsung has phones at literally every price point starting at like $150 and going up to $2,000. So the the need for the Note may no longer exist because, you know, it was their big screen phone. And now their big screen phone is a really big screen phone. So yeah, there's there's good stuff there. And I do have to say, like, too, it'll be interesting to see as they come out, depending on the pricing, like, I think they compare favorable to an iPhone in a lot of ways. Like, if I could get, again, like, if an S21 Plus has, you know, the triple camera, flat screen, 120 hertz, all of that good stuff, um, and you can get it for, let's say, $899, just for sake of argument, I think that competes quite nicely with, like, the, maybe people aren't cross-shopping enough for it to matter but again i think it's closer to like well the differences are much and a lot of the differences are actually the s21's favor so i don't know it'll be interesting to see um if 
these phones is that we've all converged. So, and especially now that we have flat screens and stuff again, it's like, I don't think you're going to get a lot of transplant people from an iPhone to a, to an Android phone necessarily, but I don't know. I, I do have to say it's nice to have that. And I think that if you were someone that was looking to come over, you know, having a flat phone, absolutely no bezel, 120 Hertz and all that good stuff. If you went in and just looked at them side by side, it, it's going to be interesting because I think it compares favorably. Agreed, especially if they start off at a cheaper price point because the S20 FE is what? 699 also? Does it start at 699? Yes. Which, which one? The S20? S, S20 FE. The FE starts at, yeah, 699, but it's on sale for 599 pretty regularly. Okay, yeah. So if, you know, what does Samsung come in there as? Like 799, 899, something like that? Like, you know, the S20 FE's already cannibalized some of their sales, and so they're probably, you know, they're going to have to make it at least relatively competitive and, and compelling. I don't know, you know, what, what they would do to do that because the S20 FE is a pretty great phone, but. Um, some of the newer technology and maybe the new camera modules maybe are, is the way to go. But, um, you know, I, I agree. I think that it is a good entry-level phone for somebody who's looking for a Samsung flagship and doesn't necessarily want the F20, S20 FE for, you know, reasons. Oh, it's last year's phone. Like, who cares? But it's still a great phone. But um, for people who are realistically looking at, oh, I'm going to buy the Samsung flagship that comes out in the first part of the year, like, it sounds like it's shaping up to be a really, really good one. I'm really interested to see it, so I will uh, we'll keep an eye out because we're not we're you know about a month away at this point. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely talk about it for sure. We'll we'll either know somebody that gets it or we'll have some hands-on time with it if um, you know mobile phone stores open up again, which you know may or may not ever happen, but I guess we'll see. So, what else well, you got we, before we wrap it up? We, now we've somehow managed to go long. We're at an hour and twenty minutes <laughs> as usual, so you have to break it into two. I, for one, am shocked because we do it every single time. Ha, ha, ha. I know. That's uh, the running joke of the show. But uh, always a pleasure, good sir. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have vaccines soon enough and I can see, well, I see you at work occasionally. But um, at least I'll be, able, you know, it'd be cool to see your, your kids again and have them come over and jump on the trampoline and, oh, well, just really to see other humans again. So, uh, yeah, seeing other humans would be nice. Man. Yeah. Nice and, uh, Absolutely. We'll do the show again in person and think about um, maybe maybe we'll get together in a couple weeks. We'll do like a best of or a year in review or something like that. I have some opinions. Cool. Let's do it. I'm in. All right, man. Talk to you later. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. And that's the show for this evening. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, make sure that you share us on your favorite platforms or tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the show and have them subscribe. It really helps us out. So wherever it is that you're listening to us, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, thank you again for listening. Take care. And remember, we will talk tech again soon.